Welcome to Garden People with your host, Jill Sowards of Violet Air Studio. Join us each season as we speak with your favorite garden people, designers, florists, growers, naturalists, chefs, artists, and more about how gardens have shaped their lives and informed their work today with seasonal tips, expert recommendations, and lots and lots of plants. To learn more, go to our website at violetairstudio.com. You'll find episode information, our seasonal journal, class list, and seed offerings. Everything you need to start your own garden story. My guest is Amanda Vidmar, a floral designer and owner of Francis and Francis Flower Shop in the Bernal Heights neighborhood of San Francisco, California. Amanda's love of nature and place are a through line in her arrangements, which draw from the stories of her clients and the surrounding environment. Welcome to Garden People, Amanda. Thanks so much, Jill. I'd love to start by asking you to describe yourself and your work, both your design work and then also your new shop. Yeah. First was Amanda Vidmar Design. She started in 2016, and we are now only really focusing on weddings and events with Amanda Vidmar Design, just because we have the shop now. And then Francis and Francis started in December of 2021. So we're just having, at the time of this chat, is our one month anniversary. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. It's been really fun. So Francis and Francis is like Amanda Vidmar Designs, like cool younger sister that she's a little bit more accessible to everybody else. Daily Flowers, she also has a lot of really awesome ceramic artists that get to display in the shop. We're also my business partner, Mackenzie, and I are really into skincare. So we have a lot of skincare, self-care goodies, which is a, has been a really nice part of sourcing for us. It's been exciting. And the community aspect of it as well has been so, so nice. So yeah, that's what we do there. And how did you come to this work? What was your floral journey? Well, naturally with an economics degree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so I graduated from UC Santa Cruz and Santa Cruz is such an amazing place for just agriculture in general. And so, yeah, I graduated and I needed a job, (laughs) decided to stay in Santa Cruz because gosh, is it pretty? So I stayed in Santa Cruz for about a year after that and got a job on a flower farm was the first Craigslist post that I touched on and they hired me. And so I started off on a farm. selling flowers at farmer's markets on the weekends and driving trucks up and down California. So (laughs) that's pretty much how it started. I was really able to see that side of the simple life really, really, really early on, which was super, I mean, it was amazing. And I fell in love with that life, pretty much sold my soul (laughs) Yeah, pretty early on. So after that, decided that flowers was it and moved to San Francisco and just started working at a shop first. And then my second job in San Francisco was with Flowers Clamory. And we met oddly because my partner at the time was babysitting her kid. (laughs) And he walked in and she, you know, works from home and walks in and there's this giant flower studio. And he's like, well, my girlfriend does this. And they were like, well, have her send in her resume. Awesome. Yeah. So that's how the event stuff came about for me and how I got Clara's an amazing eye for color and texture. And so I feel like I learned a lot from her. So yeah, that's how that all happened and eventually freelanced for a bunch of other people and started my own. That's wonderful. And what made you click on that first Craigslist offering? What is that your, what drew you? <laughs> um, 
out of necessity for mm-hmm. a hot second, I didn't really realize that this was going to be my life path. <laughs> I was like, yeah, oh, get a job for a minute. And boy, was I lucky. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> I also, I think, knew at the time, you know, I was riding my bike all over Santa Cruz and just knew that I didn't want to be in office. Mm-hmm. I knew that early on. The second I graduated, I was like, there's no way. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely no way I'm going to be in tech in San Francisco. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Where do you garden today? So, boy, 2020. Um, Yeah, kind of a long story about this. So we did have about 500 square feet of garden in our old studio. Unfortunately, that lease ended during the pandemic and we ended up moving to a tiny little studio space in San Bruno and unfortunately had to leave. What was blooming there at the time was my giant clematis no. <laughs> I know it was, it was April I remember yeah. I was like moving out and just like in tears yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. oh my god so that happened and then we moved again into the retail space we're in now and then I also moved my house mm-hmm. twice between 2020 and now so oh. <laughs> the garden is a bit in flux at the current moment just because of so many moving parts but yeah. I finally feel like in this season of my life, like I can finally establish some roots quite literally. (laughs) And I think gardens have a really beautiful way of being able to start over and everything that goes along with that. So now I'm, I'm in Bernal Heights in a tiny little cabin (laughs) and I love it. And it's got a bit of an existing situation outside already, which needs a lot of work, but I'm so excited to, to start again. That's great. What do you think you'll start with or what might you? Yeah. Oh, you wonder. <laughs> get that back up there. Yeah, I gotta get the clematis back. There's a lot of shade, so I think it'll be hellebore, Daphne. Yeah. Eucharis. <laughs> yep, yep. All of those. Wonderful. Well, that's great. And do you think you'll draw on this garden at all for your work, or will this just be a personal space? Yeah, I feel like nothing is really sacred in terms of great. Like, <laughs> work life. We will use anything and everything we can to to make something pop. So yeah. I think, yes, it will definitely become more of the cutting garden. <laughs> Wonderful. As you look at your year, what are you looking forward to for this season in terms of your flowers for your work or, or home? Yeah, I'm a lilac girl through and through. Yes. Yeah. And I'm really attracted to the things that have such a short season. Mm-hmm. And as we all are, it's like, I remember sitting at an Airbnb at some point in my early 20s just to get away. And I was in Calistoga and had eggs Benedict with the innkeeper who was in her 80s. And she looked at me and she said, flowers become really sentimental as you get older. And now I get it. Yes. (laughs) I finally understand. It's like, yeah, you look forward all year. You wait all year for the lilac to bloom. So lilac, absolutely. Daphne is, it's up there. Daffodils have a very special place in my heart <laughs> yes yeah hellebore I mean I feel like they kind of grow them all year round here at least import them at the flower market but yes. sweet peas as well I really get excited about the spring yeah yeah, yeah. everything's so fresh and yeah. new and do you have any key plants that you really like for other seasons that you think of as yeah hallmarks of kind of their yeah dahlias of course when I was on the farm, they had 50 some acres of dahlias. Oh my goodness. 
just so many varieties. And of course, being someone who had like never seen that many, and the first time I'd ever seen them, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so dahlias in the summer absolutely have a very special place in my heart. And Lord, have they been shipping up some really beautiful ones at the market from Santa Cruz. Insane. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And then as we get closer to the fall, it's usually PG hydrangeas for me. Yes. They're beautiful. Uh, yeah. And blooming viburnum. And then I think fall time, I get really excited about marigolds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rain tree. Yes. And then of course, it's the scent of paper whites as you enter the winter. <laughs> yeah. I think the combination of evergreen, paper white, and tangerine is like this. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. There's such a special smell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now you'll have some garden space, but are you able to visit any farms or have some garden contact right beyond what you're working with and taking in? Yeah. I am friends with Joanna from Bluma Farm. Mm-hmm. So I always love to just make sure, and she's close to you in Berkeley. Yeah. But I love to, as much as I can, at least pick up Great. When, I, when I order everything. But yeah, I think you have maybe spoken with Hana from Gather already, yes. but she has made it so much more easy. I know. <laughs> yeah, though, it's like I really do love driving all up and down the coast. She has made it so much more accessible for all of us to get everything because there's only so many hours in a day, especially during a wedding week. So Of course. Yeah, that's wonderful. I really think that's just changing the game for so many people on both ends of that handoff. Yeah, it's amazing. Truly. Do you have any record that you keep of your work or what is interesting you in each season? Yeah. The funny part is that that started for me even before I entered the farm. Great. I had a lot of friends in Santa Cruz that were really into gardens. (laughs) And I remember just going to nurseries with them and jotting down the things that I liked. And it's so funny. It's, you know, I look back on these notes that I had in my phone from 2012 and it's got things like Coco Loco garden roses. (laughs) Yeah. I guess I knew something back then. Yeah. (laughs) You're a picker. (laughs) Yes. So yeah, I definitely, I do try to go to nurseries all the time and, and I am constantly searching for like weird breeds of dahlias and things like that. So Weird seeds, weird bulbs. <laughs> yeah. Weird things we get to spend our money on. But yeah, I'm always jotting down in my notes what I've got. Yeah. That's so fun. Oh, that's great that you have that. And you were raised in San Diego. I was curious to know how gardens influenced or figured in your life and gardeners. Can you t- speak a little bit about that? Yeah. My dad was the gardener. I think that was the first time I had ever really met like the sentimental value of flowers he bought my mom the queen elizabeth rose bush for Mm -hmm. my sister when she was born and then i was the second kid so i was the double delight rose sweet (laughs) so dad and his roses it's definitely a huge memory for me growing up as well as they had a big lemon tree i remember repotting with them and we moved to the the spot that they still currently live in when i was four so the smell of geranium is huge for me too. Yeah, that's wonderful. And were you included in the garden as a young person in addition to sort of the potting up tasks? Did you? Yeah, yeah. I think they definitely included us in all that and, you know, intermixed with running through the grass in a bikini. Right. (laughs) (laughs) San Diego kids. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, but otherwise, the other green thumb is my mom's father, my grandfather. Mm -hmm. My nanu was from Malta. 
So they lived in Florida. So he was a huge citrus farm or citrus gardener. So grapefruit always reminds me of him too. Sweet. Very so sweet. Always just go outside, pick one. That was that was breakfast. <laughs> right. <laughs> and are there any plants from those experiences that you still try to incorporate today or that you find yourself gravitating toward? Yeah. Garden roses, of course, just because of that. And geranium. <laughs> yep. It's interesting because I've got, I mean, there's so many beautiful scents of geranium, but I usually try to gravitate towards the rose one just because it reminds me so much of home. And yeah, the citrus, I do a lot of fruit in arrangements too. So yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> makes sense. It makes sense. And did you ever have a formal training outside of your direct work experience? No formal training in terms of CCA or right. college or any of yeah. those courses. I really just, I dove right in. Again, Claire Marie taught me how to use a knife. <laughs> I feel like we're like a rare breed now, people who use knives to design. So I feel like that makes me super a lot faster as a designer. But yeah, from there, I worked for all sorts of people. Kathleen Deary. But yeah, you just get shapes and you see what works and you kind of see what your eye is drawn towards. And the other thing for me too was going even back before floral design started for me on the farm, after we would unload everything on Sundays, you got to pretty much have your pick at yeah. whatever was left over. So that was that was really the training that, that I had was super early on, even before I, I met anybody that did flowers, just because it was straight out of my brain. Yeah, <laughs> It wasn't always the most beautiful at that time, but it definitely taught me what I was mostly drawn to. Yeah, absolutely. And what does the garden mean for you today? Or how do you rely on it? How do you use it? It's the real SSRIs. <laughs> that there's actual antidepressant microbials and soil. 2020 was ridiculous and crazy for us all. And of course, not having work definitely changed my mind about how important it is to get my hands in the dirt. Yeah. And then where do you take your inspiration from today? Are there gardens or florists or art that you rely on? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think the early days of my inspiration actually came from William Eggleston. He's a mm -hmm. photographer and his book, Flowers. <laughs> it was an early, early inspiration of where I was able to draw color inspiration from. Aside from that, yeah, I feel like just honestly walking outside, I take a, a load of inspiration from gardens when I'm walking around Bernal Heights. I go to Mendocino a lot, walking around there, my goodness. Yeah, other people's gardens, also the way that wildflowers bloom on a cliff, just taking nature's cue. Yeah how you're describing seeing everything around you. I think that really comes through the energy of your arrangements. They're beautiful and certainly have a human hand, but they're so natural in kind of how they fall together. So I was wondering how you sort of the significance for you or importance of using the local blooms and how you think that that impacts what your final product looks like. Yeah. I mean, I think it's hugely important to stay local and hyper-local even. Of course, there are certain times we have to use imports. Not my favorite, but I mean, Japanese sweet peas, they're gorgeous. <laughs> but it is my preference, absolutely, and especially during the summer, to be hyper-local. And I think you get greater connection with the land that way and connection to where you are. That's actually why I really do love traveling for work, too. I mean, we do a lot of work in wine country, which is pretty local to us, but we have had other events in Southern California, 
further north in California, even Seattle, but just utilizing what's in that terrain just makes my heart sink. <laughs> yeah. Because it is so different. It's always so different everywhere you go. Yeah, absolutely. And so can you talk a little absolutely, bit about yeah. your experience opening Francis and Francis in this pandemic? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it's your economics background, so. <laughs> yes, exactly. And the help of a very trusty business partner. It has been so nice. I mean, I've been doing Amanda Vidmar Design myself for the past six years, and I just kind of sat here during the pandemic and was like, I don't want to do this by myself anymore. And she was my assistant that I had hired in 2018, and her and I just were sisters. <laughs> yeah. And I knew because, you know, when the pandemic happened, she had to move home and it was one of those things where we're like, we just have to figure out how to get back together. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. have to figure this out. So she came back June of 2021 mm-hmm. to help me with the Amanda Vidmar design season. And there was a bit of a whisper about us starting a shop between ourselves. And we decided to just Again, pop on Craigslist. Apparently Craigslist is is a portal to your life. (laughs) And we found this one spot that was pretty reasonable in terms of what retail spaces were looking like. And we visited one spot, put our offer in, and that was that. Awesome. (laughs) So in that way, everything came very, very easy. The harder part was finding a contractor in a pandemic. (laughs) The amazing part about this space was that it was so bare bones at the time. It was like, it was owned previously by an antique shop. And so there were just about a million and a half hooks in the ceiling. It was painted in ugly yellow. Floors were red. Ah. (laughs) So we knew this was going to be a project, but we also, in walking into the space now, know that we have changed absolutely everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the most amazing part for us has been having the community come in and be like, oh my gosh, I didn't even realize there was a skylight in here. There was so much crap in here before. (laughs) But yeah, everyone's been so like thrilled with the transformation and all that. So that part has been very exciting. I also feel like opening the shop in the pandemic was essential for Mackenzie and I to get back together, of course. But all of our weddings and events were postponed. And what do you do? I was trying to figure out how to get my hands on more flowers at that time. I feel like there were a lot of people that were trying to, to not, <laughs> trying to yeah. pivot a separate direction. I was like, please, how do I get more of this? Yeah. And so I transitioned to doing deliveries in 2020 mm-hmm. just to hold me over until we had weddings again. And so that was the impetus of, of starting something in the pandemic because people did want flowers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I love you shared a post about handwriting those cards and you're delivering the message. So you're kind of the go-between to have that connection to both the person and the and the recipient. And it sounded very sweet. Yes. You kind of feel like a little bit of the secret matchmaker. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. so sweet. And when you think about your style and how you approach your arrangements, they all have, I would say, small touches, like they're little quirky, neat things. How do you develop those ideas? When does it come to you? Yeah. I was just curious to know how you yeah, incorporate that. A lot of it is getting to know my clients. For example, one of my inquiry questions on our first call is, do you have any flowers that remind you of a special time in your life? Some people have no connection, but often there's something. And for 
I think the most notable one for me was in 2019 where one of my brides had just lost her father and she was like the one thing that reminds me of him is Lunaria because it used to grow on our hillside so she's like I would really want that in my bouquet I was like yeah of course (laughs) yeah so it's it's those little small touches it's like you know, maybe if that smell that reminds you of childhood is rosemary, maybe we we cut that from our own garden, we put it on the napkin, something like that. That's wonderful. And what does the upcoming season look like for you? Some good stuff. We'll start with gardens because this is a gardening podcast. Yeah. And I'm just excited again to just establish roots. So many, so many, so many moving parts for me in 2020 to 2022. Yeah. But I'm just excited to just sit put. <laughs> yeah. And in that way, finally have some things that are growing that I love around me. So that's very exciting that it's all going to be new, but something that feels like I can settle because it's been a very unsettling couple of years. (laughs) In terms of event work, it's going to be an interesting year because now I have two businesses. (laughs) So, I mean, I think I'm the type of person who's always been a yes person Mm -hmm. to my own detriment. (laughs) And I think this is probably the first year where I am looking at the calendar and saying, you know what, we're just not going to do that to ourselves this year. Yeah. (laughs) So we're taking on less, but definitely enjoying more. That's great. And this may tie in, but you've had so many experiences in different working for people, working in different realms, even of this floral world writ large. Were there any specific experiences, challenges, failures that you look back on now and say, this is where I'm learning this from, or this is something that I'm definitely going to continue to use going forward. Yeah. I mean, I think that that is a perfect segue into talking about overbooking yourself. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Yeah. In 2019, I ended up overbooking myself so much that I wound up with shingles at towards the end of the season. So it was like October and I got shingles and still had to do three weddings. And I just, now looking back at it, I'm just like, you just... Yeah, you can't do that to yourself anymore. That it just, I've learned that it takes away from the joy and the quality of what people actually want from my business. So yeah, I think less is more. (laughs) That's the lesson. And that is, has definitely carried me through this year. Yeah. And then based on these experiences, is there a way that you think we can include more people either in just gardens in general or also people who might be interested in floristry? Yeah. I mean, I think just chatting and having an overall chat about how good it is for your mental health, I think is a huge one for me. I am incredibly open about all of my challenges that have happened with my mental health in the past couple of years. I think we shouldn't be shy about it at this point. It's we're collectively going through something very crazy. And I think getting your hands in the dirt is one way to really, really, really just connect and also disconnect at the same time. Yeah. I mean, usually I throw a podcast in, so I'm learning something while I'm doing it. (laughs) Maybe I'll put this podcast in. Even. (laughs) (laughs) So in that way, I think that the conversation of, of mental health, I think is a huge part for me in both gardening and floristry, to be honest. But I think another reason why we opened the shop was to, to do education. Mm -hmm. So we're hoping to do some workshops too. Wonderful. A good way to connect people to the land a little bit more, a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. And when you talk about mental health, did you find yourself, did you know that the garden gave you that back or did you find yourself out there and suddenly realize this is changing how I'm feeling? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it wasn't until my mental health was absolutely suffering. I really understood the benefits of it. And that was, that came about about August of 2020, really. Right, deep in pandemic, sort of, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Pandemic was like, really not getting so good. Yeah. (laughs) And you're like, oh, you're not going to have fall weddings. Oh, wait. Right, (laughs) right. But yeah, I think once things started getting bad, I really had to to dig deep and... and No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Figuratively and literally. (laughs) Really had to dig deep and uh, really understand, like, what made me happy and what made Mm -hmm. the time pass beautifully yeah wonderful (laughs) well that's great well I'm very excited to learn more about your educational offerings that sounds great do you have any ideas sort of about what it will be yeah so ideally we would like to have something once a month we'll see what happens in terms Mm -hmm. of that but we could always just keep it small five to six people it's not a huge space anyway so the idea is to, and at least what Mackenzie and I have been discussing, is choosing one thing to donate to every workshop. So mm-hmm. we're looking at that. Yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for joining. It's just wonderful to learn a little bit more about you and where it all came from. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening. Garden People is produced with generous support from our sponsor, Plant Gem. Plant Gem sells unique plants you won't find anywhere else for a garden that reflects your personal style. Find them at www.plantgem.com. As always, thank you for supporting the companies that support this podcast. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you left a review as it helps other garden people find us. You'll find links for everything we've discussed in the show notes or on our website. To get early access to our guest list and information about bonus episodes, gardening tips from our guests, and more, sign up for the newsletter at violetearstudio.com.